So I'm here with Laura Kepley, and I'm explaining to Laura that I interview people who make their living or their life with an art. And so I'm making this leap to assume that the art to which you are giving your life, making your living, is the art of directing? That's right. Okay, good. And I know that you're here at the Oslo to direct Into the Breaches, mm -hmm. which I want to talk about. But before we talk about that, I only have one question. Sure. And it is, can you tell me the very first moment in your life that you were aware of theater, of stories, of directing, of any of that? You're nodding your head. Yes. yes. So clearly yes. you do know. I do. I remember, I don't remember the name of the play, I don't remember anything, but I was taken to something by my parents. I think I was probably two or three or four, and it was on stage, and there were these people holding sticks that had lollipops at the top, <laughs> but then the lollipops spun oh, around. Wow. And I th like that's where I was sort of hooked right. <laughs> no, 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 by no. that visual and that spectacle uh, on stage. It's clear that even now you can see it, and even now it captures you, right? Mm -hmm. It's so wonderful. So having been captured by that visual, by that image, and knowing that it somehow was related to the theater, to that the place you were, right? Mm -hmm. Did you say anything about that? I mean, you were two, you were three, you were four. Did they take you to other plays? Did, do you know? When, when did the idea this might have something to do with my life happen? Yeah, um, I don't think I articulate, I think I would, not that I was pre-verbal, but I didn't have much yeah, of a right. vocabulary right, right, at that right, point right. to sort of, other than, I wow. loved it, yeah, yeah. that was fun. <laughs> right. um, so, yeah, my parents um, had subscriptions to our local regional theater, uh, so I grew up, um, they also had, you know, the subscription to the symphony and, um, but they weren't really arts people at all. They did that more out of a sense of civic duty that this is, you know, we support, we support the arts. My, my family was a family of athletes and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't fit in. And I think they were a little at a loss of, you know, because my brothers were obsessed with golf and that was not something I was interested in. Wow. And so I think they found summer camps for me to do while they were playing golf. <laughs> and, um... I always loved, you know, that part of summer camp where you get to make a play. And I I remember one particular moment that actually kind of ties into Into the Breaches. Um, I was cast as Hansel in Hansel and Gretel. I was a little bit angry and confused and I don't I don't want to play the, the pants role the boy the boy <laughs> role but then when I you know learned by doing this like oh Hansel's the one who's sort of leading and and getting things done and, and Gretel you know they both play a part but once I um sort of got over the fact that I wouldn't be wearing a dress <laughs> right, right, right. I sort of loved it and how old were you I was probably Seven or eight. Uh -huh. Seven okay. or eight. Okay. Okay. So, is there more, or does it have? Yeah. What? Uh, so, I was very fortunate that I went to a public um, school that had arts programming. So, mm -hmm. starting in middle school, I was in the school play, and then by high school, 
I knew that this is what I loved. And um, some theaters had summer programs that I was able to go do that. Okay, so now you're asking for it, right? It's yes. Not, you're not saying, well, where can we put yeah. Laura while we golf? Right. I'm, exactly. <laughs> I'm asking for it. I'm seeking it out. Um, my parents are, are supportive. Then the real big moment was um, college. Would I, would, could yes. I study theater in college? Yeah. And my parents, again, I have blessed them. They put down some rules. They said, you can study theater, but you can't just study theater. Um, at the time, I thought I was going to be an actress, and I, I wanted to be just. I wanted to go to a conservatory program where I was only studying acting. Said so you can study theater, you have to go to a liberal arts college or university, and you have to. You can't do conservatory training. Then the other stipulation they put on is you can't go to school in New York City or Los Angeles. <laughs> I grew up in Cincinnati, and I think they were just trying to be protective yes. of sending their little girl to New York City at age 18. Either, either that, or they were afraid that you'd be captured by the art because <laughs> those are the places, right? Yes. Right? Yes. Right. So knowing that I had to go to a, a, a good liberal arts school, not in New York or, <laughs> or right. Los right. Angeles, right. Um, I chose Northwestern mm -hmm. uh, in, in Chicago. Not bad. And I have to say, my parents aren't alive anymore, but I just am so grateful for that liberal arts education because everything I studied was relevant. Knowing about psychology and knowing about sociology and knowing about you know anthropology yes. and learning through science and math, that structure for critical thinking and analysis. Mm -hmm. So it really has fed me I didn't know it at the time at Northwestern because I was, again, intent on acting, felt way too intimidated to call myself a director. But there was also a course of studies, actually, that Frank Galati uh, was my professor at Northwestern. Oh, my God. And that was performance studies. And so it was through that um, that I got to be a writer, an adapter, um, a, a designer, um, and, and doing all of that, thinking about mise-en-scene, that, that I really was directing. I just didn't have the confidence to call myself a director yeah. yet. Okay, so what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I did direct two small projects at Northwestern, knew that that's really what I wanted to do, but I saw, I, I enjoyed acting, and the camaraderie among actors yeah. It's the best. And, and again, this ties into Into the Breaches because the women in Into the Breaches really are experiencing collaboration, being a part of a team, working towards a common goal, some of them for the first time in their life. Although I wasn't an athlete, I love the idea of team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I knew that I wanted to be a part of the team. I wasn't sure <laughs> what that would look like or how I get there. Um, I was fortunate enough, I spent about four or five years in Chicago after graduating. And it was a time in the 90s where you could still afford to live there and make theater and, you know, do a dozen um, other money jobs that you could cobble together your rent. Right. Um, so I was 
able to continue my work as a writer, continue my work um, as an actor, and then uh, I did a lot of assistance, assistantships or internships at the big theaters in Chicago. Um, so that was a, an incredible sort of postgraduate uh, experience. Well, and unless I'm mistaken, it gave you the confidence to say, I can direct, I want to direct, maybe even I am a director. It, it did, and, but what really gave me that, it gave me the, um, the confidence to go for it. I didn't know I could do it yet, but it gave me the confidence to go for it. And so then the big, the other big um, life-changing event was I applied to graduate school. I went to a program, uh, Brown University, paired with the regional theater, Trinity Repertory Company. It was the first year, so I got to be in the first yeah. class. Mm-hmm. And there... Um, there I got to work with Oscar Eustace, uh, who's now the uh, artistic director of the Public Theater in New York. He was the artistic director of Trinity Rep at the time. Kevin Moriarty, mm-hmm. um, who's now at the Dallas Theater Center as an artistic director. And a fantastic woman named Amanda Daynert, um, who uh, is continues to direct and now she's a teacher at Northwestern as well as well all comes back but having three people um, who were so invested in uh, my education and my professional growth was more than I could have dreamed of yeah and so that was uh, an incredible experience so did you um, did you major in in Directing? I mean, I did. So I got my master's of fine arts mm-hmm. in directing. Um, one of the uh, aspects of that program is that they require the directors to take all of the acting courses as very well. Smart. Yeah, very smart. Mm-hmm. So that directors knew <laughs> experientially. I mean, we went through the acting training, the voice training, the physical training. And of course, because I loved acting, this was this was great fun. And it was also really fun that I could do it without, with just pure joy, because I knew that I had made a turn in my career, yeah. that I wasn't trying to be an actor. Yeah. So then it became yeah, you know, yeah. easier, of course, because you're not. <laughs> There's nothing on the line. Right, right, right. right. Yes, and so uh, I, when I was, um, at Brown Trinity and getting close to graduation and they were we were doing a lot of talking about how to launch my career one of the things I said is that I want to be you know sort of being here observing this I want to be an artistic director <laughs> I really, sort of as I achieve one thing I want the next yes, you know. right. um, and I said I really have been you know the experiences I had in my young life at Cincinnati Playhouse in the park and seeing what a regional theater can do for its community seeing what Trinity rep uh, was doing for their community there in Providence. I said, I, I think my ambition is not actually to go to New York. Um, I think my ambition is to run a regional theater, continue my um, track as a director. And another thing that ran through the, those years was also teaching. I said, I'd really love to be able to have all three of these paths uh, in my life. And I've been so fortunate that I that I've never had to, um, you know, stop artistic leadership 
because it was taking away from my art. It's only enhanced it. Or I've never had to um, think about stopping teaching. I've always been able to weave it through everything I do. You know, when you're teaching, <laughs> it really, you know, I'm constantly learning when I'm teaching. That's a, that's a you know, cliche even. But it, it truly is, is um, real. And then also when you are especially talking about and analyzing directing and, and giving um, principles and structures, you yourself go, oh, wait. Did I do that? Like, have I missed a step? Like, mm -hmm. I'm teaching um, young directors to be uh, as as uh, rigorous in their examination of the text, let's right. say, and, you know, give them different ways of looking at the text and analyzing the text and doing what I believe a director has to do before rehearsals even start, before the play is even cast, the work that you need to do. So it's always a good reminder of like, okay, Kepley, you need to do your work too. You can't just tell your students. You need to make sure you're, you're going through the process as well. It does. It, it, um, it confirms it for you over and over again because you're always in the presence of it, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's great. So now you've got all your training. You know what you want to do. What did you do? <laughs> yeah. um, I was hired by Trinity Rep. Ah. So it was, it, I had expressed that desire that I wanted to keep working in regional theater. That was a moment where Oscar Eustace uh, was leaving Trinity and going to the public theater. So there was a need for more artistic support. Um, so the person who became uh, the sort of interim uh, made me their associate. And then when ultimately the person who was hired to be the artistic director uh, saw my work that I was doing at Trinity, and he said, I'd love for you to stay on. <laughs> yeah. I think I have been very fortunate that I was well-trained, that I was prepared yes. when the opportunities came up. But it, it, it just so happened that at these important moments, moments. there was transition. And I always, I, I always say to people, look for those moments of transition because there are always opportunities there. You know, um, obviously the going to Trinity was transition. They were starting a, yeah, <laughs> a right, program, right, right, and, right, right. and um, you know, then when when the artistic director left, there was opportunity. Yeah, well, there were moments of opportunity, but you were always prepared for them. You were always looking for them, and you were always proactive. In, you know, it, that, so, so it requires both, right? Yeah. Right. And that was a, that was a lesson that was, was harder for me to learn. The lesson being, you have to name what you want. Yeah. I remember you saying, it's really, it's funny, I remember you saying at the beginning, you know, that, you know, when you saw the, um, the, the lollipops, you know, you didn't have words for that, and then even when you had some sense that you knew what you wanted, you weren't quite able to articulate it, right, but you did find a way to put words to the things you wanted, and you backed them up with the work that you did, so... Do you, you're saying that was a hard lesson for you to learn, but it seems like you did it, so do you know how you learned it? Uh, I, I think there are two, two moments that I learned. One was that, first, first of all, my biggest desire was to be of use. Yeah, ah, yes, right. You know, I, I love theater. Just, I want to do anything I can in the theater. Put, put, I want to be of use. Use me. Use right. me. You know? <laughs> right. So, and I think that that, 
was one of the things I think people recognized, oh, she wants to help. She yeah. wants to serve. Yeah, right. Um, so, and, and, and not in a necessarily careerist, you know, oh, no, I want to do yeah. this so I can get to this. It was like, I just, to have a job in the theater? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. So I think there was that sort of mindset. But then being able to say, I do want that. I, I do want that. Trusting yourself to say, you know what? I haven't done this before, but I can, I can do it. <laughs> yes, right, right, right. And then naming what it is. Later in my career, I was producing a show that Michael Edwards was directing at Cleveland Playhouse. And I was new to Cleveland Playhouse and um, had directed professionally at the sort of Lort Theater level at Trinity Rep and a handful of other places, but not other peer theaters at Trinity Rep size or the size of Oslo Rep. So I was producing Michael's Galileo, and he was talking to me about his upcoming season. And he was talking to me as a producer. And he mentioned that he was doing Heidi Chronicles and, and was asking me sort of producerial questions about that. And I took a deep breath and I said, Laura, you would be the perfect director for Heidi Chronicles, <laughs> but am I going to be bold enough to actually name, mm-hmm. name it? Mm-hmm. And so we finished our work. And then at the end I said, you know, Michael, I'd really like to pitch myself as a director for your Heidi Chronicles. And, you know, I think when we lean in or step forward and do those things, we think that it's going to be a disaster. Or we think, you know, and, and, and really being able to say, what's the worst? The worst thing that can happen is they say no. But we think the worst thing that's going to happen is, you know, the ground's going to open yes, up. And so Michael was great. Said, well, I'd love to hear what your directorial vision for Heidi Chronicles would be. And so we set a date. And um, that was about, like I said, eight or nine years ago. And he hired me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just to kind of bring it back to Oslo Rep. Like that was one of those moments that I was able to, I think women are sort of trained to don't express <laughs> what you yeah. want. That would be arrogant of you or presumptuous or, or unattractive. Or unattractive, all of those things. And so it's about really taking away that training. And when I was in grad school, all of the other directors were men and they weren't hesitating. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they weren't. And, and my mentor said to me, look, you can still 100% be who you are, but don't take yourself out of the equation. You know, he said, you deserve, you deserve it as it much as they do. It was a man. That. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say, I have had, um, I've had a, a, a handful of female mentors, but most of my mentors have been men who have really invested in me, believed in me. And also, uh, well, they mentored you. Put, they yeah. literally mentored yeah. you. They told you in words and in action that this was a way that you could be that you were perhaps not being, yeah. right? Yeah, and they, but they also overcame a lot of the other messages that I was hearing. For example, I'll share this one because I think this is kind of funny. I was at a um, sort of a seminar for young directors. There were some famous directors on the stage. And a guy in the crowd raised his hand and said, you know, as young directors, how can we get our actors um, to take us seriously, to, to, to have authority? How can we have authority in the room? And he said, grow a beard. 
my and God. So, and, you know, and, and all the men in the were like, uh, you know, all the guys were like, oh, okay, great. I'll grow a beard. Then I'll oh have, then God. I'll look older. Then I'll have more authority. I'll look more like the idea of, of what a director right. looks like. Oh, my God. And so, you know, and there were, there were only probably a handful of women in the room at this point this point we all looked at each other like well what do we do <laughs> you know but i had also gotten really um negative messages you know i have blonde hair um and i was told well if you want people to take you seriously you should really dye your hair brown have you thought about wearing glasses oh my god you know so all of these things still and this was in you know the, the early 2000s um still telling that I need to change to fit what people think leadership looks like. Right. And what's wonderful now is it's really changing. I mean, the, the, the women coming up behind me are just so bold and fierce and they, they are dismantling these rules. Hopefully I'm dismantling them for, (laughs) you know, as much as I can from my position Um, to really say, you know, women get to have as much, individuality yes, <laughs> and, right. and, and um and authority authority and be artists yes you know as well as we don't we don't have to fit just one mold yeah I, you know ourselves. actually i think it's a larger thing i think the um just the idea that there is a one size fits all anything you know the directors look like this that physicians look like this that i mean right you know that professors that, right deans right. that plumbers you know, look like right this, yeah totally you know? carpenters I mean, right, right. You know, that, that and and that only these kinds of people can do these kinds of things it's of course absurd but when you get the message that you are not it whatever it is that you've decided that you are mm-hmm. right th- that is something you have to fight against that is yeah. an obstacle right that um, other people who just look like it don't have to, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, and, and again, I've gotten wonderful support. When I became artistic director at Cleveland Playhouse, the chair of the board was a woman, and probably 25, 30 years older than I was. You know, and I said, oh, you know, you've navigated this in your professional career. Do you have any advice for me about how I need to present or how I need to be? And she said, Laura, just be yourself. And that was such a gift to say, you know what? I'm enough. I'm going to always keep trying to learn more, grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But But that I don't have to doubt that I have the experience to be where I am. Okay, so... I'm assuming that uh, because you already had this relationship with Michael, when he had this play, he thought of you and asked you to uh, to direct in, to the breaches. Is that accurate? Um, you know, Michael and I, so I had such a great time down here <laughs> doing <laughs> Heidi Chronicles. He and I have always been in touch, sort of, you know, what are you thinking about? What do you have? What are you doing? Um, and I had been telling him about Into the Breaches for about two oh, years. Goodness. Yeah, so I this is something I was wow. you know, pitching to him. Mm-hmm. And Cleveland Playhouse did Into the Breaches to open our season this year. Mm-hmm. And I had directed a sort of summer stock workshop production of it the summer before that. And I said, Michael, this is a great play. It's wonderfully inclusive. It has six amazing roles for women ages 20 through 70 plus. 
Um, it has two great parts for men. It has two great parts that your students could play. Um, and his his job of figuring out the rep season is yeah, yeah, so yeah. complex. Um, so I think he had maybe been thinking about it the year before, but maybe there weren't the right number of, of female parts in the other plays, whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and then it worked out when he... I think when what he said earlier today in the luncheon was that when Murder on the Orient I was Express just gonna say, clicked in, right. he's like, ah, now I have, yeah. uh, now I have great women, and I need another play for them. Okay, so now tell me about the play. The play is a big-hearted comedy. It's set in 1942 during World War II. Um, we're setting it in Sarasota, Florida. Ah. <laughs> and the premise is that when the men are away fighting, the wife of the artistic director decides that instead of closing the theater down until the war is over, that they should continue to put plays on <laughs> even though the men are away. Even though the board chair is saying, you know, plays are frivolity. Um, we need to focus on serious things. And so the the wife of the director, uh, artistic director, whose name is Maggie, um, she makes a case saying, you know what, I think that us coming together to tell this story is going to uplift and inspire our community. And I think in our darkest times, art can actually um, lift and inspire us. Yeah, what a and, concept. <laughs> yeah, right. And so he sort of begrudgingly yeah, goes yeah. goes along. Um, it is an underdog story. Oh, I mean, she is she's trying to do a Shakespeare play that has 50 parts for men and three parts for women, <laughs> and all she has is women <laughs> to do it. So what it means is that she's going to, she puts together a cast of She's got the one leading lady of the theater company. Um, so she has one woman, and then she has to find other women to to be a part of the cast wow. and to play men. And so pretty much because it's a comedy, every obstacle that you can imagine gets thrown in her way. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a play about um, coming together and mm-hmm. collaborating and overcoming obstacles um, and being your boldest self. Yeah. And what's so great, everybody in this play, the men and the women, start in a really tight container about what the world is saying, who they are, what they can be, what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do. And those containers really break open. So, you know, people who weren't included are included. Um women who were told that they could only be a certain way are now playing, you know, <laughs> kings and princes or sword fighting and, you know, doing all of these these wonderful things. So it's wonderful. Yeah. It's absolutely wonderful. And so perfect for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Well I you may not know, but the playwright is my husband. Ah no, I didn't know. I didn't know. But of yes. course and um, and so um, clearly you're a role model for it, right? The playwright George Brandt, who is also my husband, uh, has done a wonderful service in this play in that he has written eight fantastic characters and 
it explains what a director does. She starts out thinking that she, you know, she has all of her husband's notes. So she thinks that directing a play is going to be like baking a cake. She <laughs> yeah, has his right, notes. Right. She has his recipe. All yeah. I have to do is, you know, follow his yeah. blueprint and uh-huh. we'll be fine. Uh-huh. What she discovers <laughs> is there's a lot more to it. And, and that she can do it. And that she can do it. And she has a lot. There, there are a couple of really important turning points where she doesn't think she can. Mm-hmm. And um, the other sort of miracle of this play is that she spends a lot of the show telling people, you can do it. I believe in you. You can do it. And they can't imagine themselves doing it, but they trust her, so they do it. And then when she has her moment of doubt and and crisis they turn to her and say no you can do it you've been doing it you're doing you know so it's this wonderful story about people seeing the potential in each other and um supporting them and inspiring them to go for it yeah it's it's, again again it's funny that it just keeps coming full circle full circle because because what you always wanted to be was part of a team (laughs) in this play is about yeah, that, right? It is. And so you're the perfect person for this, obviously. <laughs> yes. Oh. And I only ask one other question. And it is, having given a life to this work, and you really have, is there anything you would say about what that's like? Wow. <laughs> that's, a bit, that's a big question. I like to think that every day really is an opportunity to make magic happen (laughs) it really is Uh i mean that's my that's my job to bring people together to inspire them to make something that we thought was maybe impossible actually possible there are of course costs and sacrifices um for me it has been uh definitely worth it. I I never have a day that's exactly the same as the day before. Mm -hmm. I can set my plans for a day. This is both as an artistic director and a director. You set your plans for what you think is going to happen and it blows up. So certainly if somebody likes routine, they're not, (laughs) they shouldn't shouldn't go into directing or artistic directing. Um, I get to meet and work with extraordinary people. Um, Actors are heroes in my eyes and they continue to amaze me i'm a big believer in the idea of the group genius Uh that together we can create something that's beyond what i could come up with on my own um i'm i'm actually sort of bored and disappointed if we don't find an idea that's better than what i already (laughs) you know that what i you know i i always have sort of the default like well if we can't do something better, we can do this, you know, and, and I rarely have to use that, that default. Um, people were, I'm in a career where people dedicate their lives to it. They bring so much to the work. Um, I realize how much it takes, especially for actors. You're leaving your home, you're leaving your family, you're, you're, maybe making less money than you would if you had a a different career, (laughs) you know, but, um, we have the chance, as sort of corny as this may sound, we do have the chance to change lives. The work we put on the stage will make people see the world in a different way. 
might make people have a conversation with their loved ones uh, about something, might make them understand their loved ones in a way that they hadn't before, and might make them find common ground with maybe a neighbor that they didn't think they actually had anything in common with. Uh, so I'm, I feel very lucky that this is my job. <laughs> this is what I get to do. That's a great place to stop. Thank you great. so much, Laura. My pleasure.